And, and Peter, just before that point, is like, no, man, I, I will lay my life down for you. And he's like, oh, will you really? You know, before the rooster crows, you'll, you'll deny me three times. And he goes through this process after, after Jesus is uh, arrested, and, and he die, denies Christ three times, just as, as Jesus says, please forgive me. I, I really want to pray. I, I apologize for getting started, but let's do that. Father God, I, I thank you so much for, for this opportunity um, just to get into your word, Lord. I thank you that you're so good, that you love us so much. I pray that this morning as we get into your word that, that you would reveal truths about yourself um, that, that penetrate the heart, Lord. I pray, God, that uh, you would give me the words to speak that I would be uh, just absolutely dependent upon you, that it wouldn't be about me, that it would be about you, God, and, and that it would bring you glory and honor. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Okay, sorry about that. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through this, uh, John 21. I'm going to read uh, 15 through 22. <clears throat> it says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are older, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this uh, to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify God, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the, the supper and had said, Lord, who will betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. <clears throat> okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to go through this, and I want to pull out a couple of truths, um, and then hopefully I'll, I'll tie it all together with the main point. Um, <clears throat> In the Greek language, there are several words for the, for the word that we use in love. Like we say, I love my wife and I love football in the same sentence. Most of us understand the difference, and that's why we have Monday night football, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, and Saturday for college. Bad joke Sunday. I was, dang it. Okay, anyways, so in, the, in this particular set of verses... There, there are two different types that are, lo- that are used. Agapaho, is, it's a verb. I'm sure we've heard of the agape, agape love. Has anybody heard of that? That's a, that's a noun. This is the verb form of that. Uh, and <clears throat> that is, I love, it's a, a well wish. It's a, it, I take pleasure in, a long for. It denotes the love of reason or esteem. It is a divine love. It's what God prefers, the perfect love that we all strive for. It's the same love that's found in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure that we're, we're all familiar with those. Uh, in the New Testament, it's used 143 times. The second type of love that is used in this particular passage is phileo. And that, that's, that's also a verb. 
It's a love of friendship. It's regard with affection, cherished. It's an affectionate friendship. To show warm affection in intimate friendship, characterized by a tender, heartfelt consideration and kinship. This is the type of love that when Mary and Martha comes to Jesus and they say, the one you love is sick, and they're talking about Lazarus. That's that type of love. And this particular one is used uh, 25 times uh, in the New Testament. And so what I want to do is I want to go back through this uh, portion of Scripture, and I want to I show the difference because I, I feel like it's important. And as I've got into this study, this is one of those, those, those studies that you get into, and I'm sure you all can relate to this, where you really, you get, like you, you start to get it. Like God reveals truth about himself that just makes you long for God and fall so much in love with him. Um, so, but I wanted to, I want to get a little help. Joseph, would you mind helping me out? <clears throat> now, this is not a reenactment, but I do, I do want you to understand what this might look like. <clears throat> Simon, son of John, do you truly agapaho me more than these? Feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you truly agapaho me? I play with you. Take care of my, my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? I play with you. Feed my lambs. Thank you. <laughs> To add to this, this backstory, this is the same Peter that before denying Christ, he walked on water. He walked on water because he, he trusted in Jesus so much. Jesus says, tells him to come, and he's like, all right. Then he gets scared, and of course he falls. This is same, uh, <clears throat> the same Peter that, again, when Jesus tells him that he's going to deny him. Just before that, he said, man, I will lay my life down for you. That's that love. I think if Peter was asked then, hey, Peter, do you agape, homie? Peter would say, absolutely, man. I'll go. I will die for you. I will lay my life down for you. This is the same Peter uh, that in, in John 18, 10 and 11, when after Jesus is arrested, Peter draws his sword, right? And he cuts off Malchus's ears. He was ready to go to battle, for Jesus. He was ready to do that. And I think that the, the thing that we have to understand is that this man was destroyed by his own failure. I denied my Lord. Because I believe, there is no doubt that Peter loved Jesus. There is no doubt, no doubt at all. He was one of the three that, that went to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> This is the same Peter uh, that in, in Matthew 16, uh, I'll, I'll just read this real quick, 16, uh, 13 through 19 or so. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some, or who, 
Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what, do you, what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is the same Peter. You see, when they were going back and forth, Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agapaho me? Do you love me in this perfect love up here? And Peter, because of his failure or whatever it is, I don't, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. But because Peter was where he was, he's down here. I can't, I can't get there. I phileo you, Lord. You know, you know that I phileo you. And he asked him again, Peter, do you agapaho me? Do you agapaho me? This standard of love, this perfect love that we all should strive for up here. And Peter says, no, I can't get there. But on the third time, and I don't think it's a coincidence, Peter denied Christ three times. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Do you agapaho me? But on the third time, he says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter replied, Lord, you know all things. I phileo you. And this brings me, brings us to my first truth. And that is that Jesus meets us right where we are. And this is one of the sweetest truths. Uh, because we all have a past. There are, all thi- there are things that we would all do differently if given the opportunity. Every one of us. I know I would. We all have hurts and different levels of baggage or regret. Just like Peter. We all question whether I truly love God, the way that I should. Am I really given everything that I have? And Peter was given it all he had. But that was that was that phileo, that was that kinship. But we know that Peter goes on to do amazing things for the church. We also know that Peter Peter failed at some things too, and he was rebuked by Paul. But he wasn't afraid to go to the cross for Jesus. This is one of the most beautiful truths in all of scripture to me. The fact that God meets us right where we are. No matter how messy our lives are, no matter how put together our lives are, it does not matter. God meets us where we are. And, and that's, that's amazing. There is no one on the planet that can offer the amount of humility that God did. There's no one to, to come in human form to the earth. Not not surrendering Godship, but walking amongst us. We have a perfect high priest. That's what Hebrews tells us. And that's an important truth, that he meets us right where we are in the the midst of our mess, our failures, our hurts, our shortcomings, any of that stuff. And And again, that is a beautiful truth. Why is this important in our marital relationship or any other relationship for that matter? We really understand that God meets us right where we are in our sin and our struggles, selfishness and all. This is when we are able to look at others and offer grace in love. 
when we understand that God meets us right where we are, who are we to deny someone else that? Who are we to, to look at their flaws? And, and that's what sticks out. Man, we got to love people for who they are, right where they are. It doesn't, I mean, in the truth that we understand too, is that God loves us enough to not leave us, leave us there either. Like I said, Peter went on to do some amazing, amazing things. Um, 1 John uh, 4.19 says this, If we, we love because he first loved us. And that's why uh, we, can, we can love people well. Verses 18 and 19 Uh, I tell you the truth. Uh, when you were younger, uh, you dressed yourself and went where you did not, where you where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and s- someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said uh, this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me." This my second point is this: is that, and we all know this. This is this is the truth that we get. Uh, in life, there are things that, that we don't always feel like doing. Things that are challenging, uh, things that require us to swallow our pride and our own will for God's. There are all kinds of these things in life. And, and I want to, I want to, I, I, I don't think that, I think there is a, a, a divide between the sacred and the secular. But for, for, and I don't believe that that's true. I think everything is spiritual. Everything is uh, sacred in that, in that regard. I think that that's how we ought to govern our lives. But for this sake, I, I do really want to talk about the, the spiritual aspect of things. <clears throat> this is not always a trial. This is not always some persecution. Being a good employee, sometimes it's hard. If you really think about all that that entails. <clears throat> Being the first to... Re- to seek conflict resolution, admit when I'm wrong, forgive when I've been hurt, and been hurt, <clears throat> even if it's happened re- repeatedly, confess when I sin, take responsibility for my actions, standing up for the truth, choosing to love someone when they're not very lovable, pay my taxes, and on and on and on. All these things can be challenging. But when we keep in mind who we're serving and, and what God has done for us, the fact that he meets us where we are, uh, we, can, we can do these things because it is for the glory of God. When I have conflict with my wife, it, it's, it's easy to, you know, to, to just be at odds, you know, to, to conflict. And, and again, I'm not a relationship expert by any of the stretch of the imagination, but I also understand what my responsibility is. That, that's to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Christ gave his life up for the church, so I have to be the one. And, and this is, there's times where it's a struggle, but I'm telling you, I have been, in my short seven months, been obedient to this truth. I'm the one that goes to her when, when, she, when I know things are not right, when there is a conflict. Um, and, and it's not easy but it's for the glory of my God, and, that, and it's important. Uh, this last week, um, I had, 
I was kind of odds with my brother, my little brother, and uh, it, it was via text, and so, uh, and, and there's like a 10-year age gap between the two of us, and so there's just, stu- there's pl- he's in this place of life where, man, I, I just haven't been there in a long time. I don't see things the same way. I'm a different kind of person, and, and frankly, it, it's annoying to me, like, it, I, and so I, I, I we're, v, we're texting back and forth, and what I really want to say is is on my screen on my my little handy smartphone, and uh, and I'm but I'm reminded who do I serve, and this is one of those times where I got to meet him where he's at. Like I got to love this guy where he's at because the truth is is that to some people we are the only bit of Christ in their lives. We're the best example of that. And, uh, and so I, I get it typed out, what I really want to say. And I'm not being mean. These are truthful things. They're pretty blunt and, and, and not very graceful, but truth nonetheless. But I got to delete that stuff, man. And I couldn't send it. I just, I had, because I have to be mindful of who it is that I serve. And that is the God of redemption. I look at my life and how it's been a mess and how God has redeemed some things that or been big, man, who have hurt not just myself but others. And because of that, you know, I was able to, to not mend because, you know, we were just at odds, but just to have that healthy relationship where I can speak truth and love, and he knows that it comes from that place of love, and it's still, still being honest. And, and uh, that's a part of, of that relationship that we, that we need to seek. <clears throat> we react... Uh, out of fear, hurt, anger, anxiety, frustration, and, and other things. Uh, but those are not rooted in faith when we react to these things. Um, instead, we need to respond that demonstrates that we are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I learned that in men's group, so you guys should come. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, but but that's a truth that we need to we need to stand on. Instead of reacting to my wife or whatever it is, and this is not a conflict deal, but this is a, this is a truth. Instead of reacting, we need to respond. But we need to respond in a way that demonstrates that we are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That He has called us to a standard to love well. And I need to maintain that standard. So I need to surrender my own will, my own desire to. Uh, be vindicated or justified or whatever that may be. Um, in verse 19, after, after Peter, or after Jesus tells Peter how he'll die and, and bring glory to God, he tells him to follow me. Um, he says this again in verse 22, after, and I'll, and I'll read 20, 22, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus in, at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked him, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. It is our responsibility to follow Jesus. It's not my wife's responsibility. It's not my friend's responsibility. It's not my parents' responsibility. It is mine and mine alone. <clears throat> there is a cost for following Jesus. Uh, Luke 
uh, 9, 23 and 24 says this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. That's a hard truth to really grasp, but Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3 tells us that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything. God has done it for us. We have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. Jesus told Peter up front, after reinstating him, after going through this, this process of, Peter, do you truly love me? After going through all that, you've got to follow me. And he was very upfront with, Peter, look, man, you love me, you say you love me, and I trust that you love me. You're, you're, you are going to die, man. You're going to die for, for me. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to lay your life down, just as you said you would. You're going to do that for me. He's being very upfront with it, right? And I think that Peter needed to fail a little bit in order to have the boldness to say, you know what? I'm digging my heels in. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care what it costs me to follow you. I'm going to do it. And I think that, that we have to walk in the same manner in our walks, this, this boldness for Christ, this, this willingness to say, you know what? I don't care what the world thinks of me. I don't care what it costs me to follow you. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to lay it down. And I will tell you from my own experience, my life has been a wreck in so many ways. And I've failed in so many well, ways. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to back down. Or at least that's my hope. But that strength doesn't come in me. That comes in that reliance of Jesus Christ, right? We look at the totality of Scripture, and we say what, it, what an underlying theme for sure is a dependence upon, upon God. That's it, right? You read through the judges, and you see this, this constant fluctuation of the people, how they, they, they turn to God, they cry, oh, God, we need you, we're, we're oppressed, and all this and that. And God redeems them. And they go good for a little while, and then, they, and then they're like, well, you know, maybe we're going to do this other thing. And they, they turn away from God. And then it's the same cycle. And why is this relevant? Because it always is about coming to this place of dependence upon God. We look at Moses. When Moses was commissioned by God, he was like, oh, man, I'm not the guy. I don't speak well. Oh, man, surely you can find someone else. You know, whatever, it, whatever the excuse was. But ultimately, he went right? That's where the law comes from. It's from Moses. But it was a dependence upon God. You look at Elijah's story uh, at Mount Carmel. That, that's an amazing story. And, but it's that dependence upon God is what, what we, where we need to be. And when we get to that place, then, then we can have these productive uh, relationships, whether it's marriage or, or whatever it may be. It's a dependence upon God. It's, it's what does God say I need to be doing in these things. I need to be able to forgive my wife or, or anyone for that matter when they've wronged me in this manner. Look, Peter or Jesus could have easily said, Peter, you denied me, man. I'm done with you. I'm done. Like you, you, you denied me. I trusted you. You were one of my closest friends, but he didn't. He didn't, and that, that's a beautiful truth. At the end of the day, or at the end of my time on this earth, <clears throat> it's my responsibility to follow Jesus. I can't put that on anyone else. I'm going to die alone. 
or not alone. I mean, hopefully I have family around, but um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stand before my Lord by myself, and I'm gonna have to give an account for for how I've lived my life and how dependent upon upon Jesus I've been. This individual responsibility it comes out of a personal relationship, right? So I'm individually accountable to my wife. Like if I, if I want to spend some money, I, I talk to my wife. And, and it really isn't a, it doesn't even have to be a big deal. You know, I, I'm accountable to my wife. I'm not accountable to someone else's wife. But it comes out of that place of like a personal relationship. And that's what we have in Jesus. That's what we have with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the creator of all things, the sustainer of life. That's what we have. We have a personal relationship. Um, I'm going through this, uh, <clears throat> this program uh, that the Evangelical Free Church has uh, ad- adopted uh, to, to train people up. To, it's a seminary course, and uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm learning is, is about that individual personal revelation. Um, and, and just to go back to that, uh, oh man. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> Matthew 16, uh, this, this personal revelation, this is that <clears throat> Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. That is amazing because God may use a, a, a person to reveal truth to you, but to really get it from the head to the heart, that's all God. God is revealed, whatever truth that is, and that's a personal relationship. That's a beautiful concept, and that, that's not the point of, of today's lesson, but certainly could be a lesson in of itself. I'm so, so what does this look like in relationships? We all see throughout Scripture, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the amazing redemptive power of God. We see that in our own lives, that we are new creations in Christ. I'm not the same person that I once was. And praise God uh, that I'm not the person that I will be eventually. I want to keep growing. I don't, I don't want to be this same, same guy that I am. And I, I, take, I take a pride in that, not in this negative sense, but in this understanding that I've not arrived. My grandpa was, uh, he was in his 70s. He passed away two years ago. And uh, one of the godliest men I've ever known in my life. He was an amazing man. And, and because of his faithfulness in God, I, I truly believe that uh, he, God used this man mightily to, to draw, draw me to himself. <clears throat> but the truth is, is that a few months before he died, you know, my grandpa is talking, you know, we, we talk a lot on the phone and uh, just telling me about what God is doing in his life. And that's encouraging. You know, I come to the men's group uh, on Monday nights and it really is, it's a blessing. It's a tremendous blessing. And there are older men that, that I really look up to that are in this group. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, to hear some of their struggles, uh, to hear where they're at with the Lord, it's like, man, you know, there, there's definitely room to grow, but, uh, 
it's encouraging to know that I'm not alone in that struggle. That, that just because I'm not there yet, I got to keep pushing forward. I got to take, take ownership of, of my walk. And so we've talked about how God meets us right where we are, <clears throat> not where, where we should be, not where we were and not where we're going to be, where we should be. At no point in your life is God going to love you more than he does right now. At no point in your life has God ever loved you any less than he does right now. God loves you right where you are. That is a truth to grasp, to really take a hold of. In the midst of the mess, the failure, the flaws, all that stuff, man, God is faithful. He's not faithful because of what I do or how I live or the choices I make or anything like that. It has nothing to do with me. It's because that's God's character. That is a truth to behold. God meets us right where we are. So we need to take note of that when it comes to uh, extending grace to others, especially uh, to the ones we love most. Not looking at them where they fail, where they fall short, but looking at them in the manner by which God looks at them as beloved, as their children, someone that is uniquely made for a unique and specific purpose. We already know that uh, that we got to do things that we don't want to in life. I mean, that's a, that's a truth. But I think when we understand who we're doing it for, uh, it makes it a little easier. Uh, Colossians three twenty three says this: Whatever you do, uh, work it, <clears throat> work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. First Corinthians ten thirty one says this: So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Those hard things don't become so hard when, when I understand it's for the glory of God, when that's my motivator. And my motivator is not, a, not for a response or, 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 or some accolade or anything like that. My motivator is for my, my Lord. I want to be faithful and obedient because he's met me right where I'm at. <clears throat> Those hard things don't become, uh, don't seem quite as hard anymore. We have to be willing to do those hard things in life so that God may be glorified. We have to be willing to move forward, not forgetting the past and allowing it to bind us, but moving forward uh, so that we don't lose that present. We, have, we, not, we don't forget about it. You don't think that, that Peter forgot about the, the mistakes that he made, the failures that he had in denying Christ. That was a big deal. I cannot imagine the emotion that this guy went through. I mean, the absolute fact, I can't imagine anything worse in life. Peter never forgot about that, but he didn't allow it to bind him up and hinder his future. He used it as a motivator to say, man, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. God is, Jesus has called us to follow him. And that is an individual thing. I can't hold my wife accountable for, for her walk. And this is not about Christian liberty. My walk looks different than, than my wife's. You know, my walk looks different, but I'm accountable to God. So I have to pursue God how he's called me to pursue God. And, and there are definitely standards by which we, we need to move forward in life <clears throat> that apply to everyone. But I can't put my yoke on my wife. We're individuals. I have to walk my walk, and that may look different. Um, 
that's it. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, I do thank you um, for your truth. Lord, I thank you that you do meet us where we are. God, I thank you that you give us the strength to, to move forward with things that are difficult. God, I thank you that you love us so very much, um, that you gave, gave your only son for us. God, I pray that uh, you would encourage us uh, throughout the week. God, that you bless this family. Lord, I pray that you would be uh, just on our minds and in our hearts as we move forward into the new year. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.